Good day and thank you so much for joining us on a frank conversation and boy are we having one today we are talking about CPR and the need that we have in every community but especially the African American community to educate folks on this life-saving tactic if you will and joining me to you know walk us through this whole journey is Tamisha Good she runs Concierge Healthcare Training Services how you doing today Tamisha Good morning Frank thanks for having me Absolutely. Thank you for hanging with me. So did you have a personal experience that really inspired this journey that you're on with CPR? Uh, yes. Uh, in August of, what are we in 2020? In August of 2019, my fiance had a major heart attack. Um, mm. And it just scared the both of us. Um, he had to make some lifestyle changes um, I'm a nurse by day. I've been a nurse for 15 years. Um, and I work in cardiac medicine. So, uh, this is what I do, but, um, as cliche as it sounds, I tell people this all the time. It really just is different. It hits different when, um, heart disease affects someone that, you know, when it affects your, your family, someone that you care about, someone that you love, um, it's, it, it just takes, it's just completely different. So um, he, it, he plays a large part in uh, when I was deciding to start a business, why I chose this path. Tell me, you um, were trained, but you weren't ready for that, right? No, no. And I was actually, um, I, was at, I was at work. I was at work um, in an emergency room when I got the call that said, basically, you need to stop what you're doing and uh, get to Pep and Heart, where he was having a heart attack. Um, in the he thankfully is okay now. Um, and I talk about a lot of this in the trainings that I provide. But um, when they got him to the hospital and they got him on the table, he coded twice, so they had to shock him twice. Um, yeah, it was a pretty big ordeal. He ended up in ICU for a week. Uh, had to make some lifestyle changes, lose some weight, get on some medications, change his diet. Um, and I'm at work giving discharge instructions and giving education to strangers that I don't know. Um, and in my own home, I did not see some of the warning signs. I missed the signs. Um, so, you know, hindsight is 2020. I sat in ICU with him and I went, oh my God, how did I not, I can't believe I didn't pick up on that. How did I not notice, you know, um, some of the signs that he was having over mild signs over um, the, the weeks leading up to it? Um, so, yeah, when it's when it's your family and, and again, I've been a nurse for 15 years, but when it's someone that you care about, I, I just I totally missed it. I missed the mark. And so now I. Um, it drives what I do. Tamisha, do you think that um, when we're looking at life through the micro lens, you know, we're looking at it through a microscope. We kind of get tunnel vision. And so we may not see the macro, the bigger picture. And perhaps yes. that's why you may have missed it because you were too close to the situation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And maybe that makes sense as to why some of this, the, these symptoms weren't, you know, red flags. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that um, my nursing brain 
says that I know how to treat a heart. I know how to treat heart disease. I know how to treat congestive heart failure. These are the medications. This is what I know that the doctor should be ordering. These are the tests that I know that should be run. Um, and then when I clock out and I go home and he says, oh, I feel like I have a little bit of indigestion, you know. Um, and that nursing brain is maybe it's been used for everybody else. It mm -hmm. hasn't been used for your fiance. Mm -hmm. But wait, what, did, what, what, did, what were some of the symptoms that he had that maybe you didn't notice? Um, so he had some increasing um, fatigue, weakness. Um, he honestly thought he was just getting old older uh he over the weeks leading up to it he um would complain of feeling funny you know he would say my, my chest hurts a little bit and every time I would take his blood pressure and his blood pressure would be kind of high um and I would go okay we're going to the hospital and he'd go no 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 let me just sit here for a second let me just sit here and see if, and I go, okay, I'm going to give you 15 minutes. And if your blood pressure doesn't come down in 15 minutes, we're going to the hospital. And he would sit on the side of the bed. He'd do some um, deep breathing exercises. And every single time that I would go to recheck it, um, his blood pressure would be normal. Um, so he would, he was kind of buying himself out of a trip to the emergency room, but looking back at it, um, I'm like, you know, Maybe this could have been prevented. Um, and what you he had- You either go to the hospital now or you go later. <laughs> right, what, right, when, when it's a life-threatening emergency. Um, we, we could have, and what he had was a heart attack, not to be confused with a cardiac arrest. Um, and a heart attack is something that um, is basically, it's damage or injury to your heart, um, either acutely or um, over a period of time. And what he had was something that was building over a period of time that we kind of missed the mark on um, and, until it became a life-threatening emergency. Um, What's and, the difference and, between the two, heart attack and cardiac arrest? So um, in my classes, I explained to people that a heart attack is a circulation issue, right? Um, our, our vessels, our veins, our arteries, they're, think of them as hoses. And over time, as the hoses um, build plaque or plaque cholesterol, um, that hose narrows and you still have to be able to um, pump blood through those hoses. Um, and so that is basically damage or injury. It's a circulation issue, damage or injury to your heart. Um, depending on the vessel and the part of your heart that's affected, you can go on to live a, a, a normal life afterwards with, um, lifestyle changes such as what he made. Um, <clears throat> cardiac arrest is 100% of the time a life-threatening emergency. If you do not receive treatment, CPR, shock, um, you will die. You, you will die. I mean, and I, and I say very frank, um, but I, I want people, I need people to understand the severity and the magnitude of it. Um, for every minute that CPR is delayed, a person who's truly in cardiac arrest loses a 10% survival rate. Mm -hmm. So in essence, you really have about 10 minutes to play with before they're not going to make it. Um, and so with the, the majority of cardiac arrests happening outside of a hospital, 75 to 80% of cardiac arrests happen outside of a hospital, um, the survival rate is 5%. 5%. Um, that's bad. 
And and so that that is, and I'm glad you're being frank about it. We're here for the frank conversations about this. I mean, people need to know how serious the severity of this that really segues into who is impacted most by a lack of knowledge when it comes to CPR. Because yeah. it's one thing to go through the courses in a PE class. Uh, some of that knowledge gets a little cloudy, to, cloudy over the years, and, and you may not remember all the steps. And it's another thing to be instructed over the phone while you're dialing 911. And as we see, that's gonna be a little convoluted because you as a professional had a bit of trouble, you know, uh, navigating that as it hit really close to home mm -hmm. because emotions are involved in this. Your heart rate is sped up. Your adrenaline is going. My goal is to leave, uh, is to have students leave in my classes saying, I didn't know that. Um, and so every single class, I get people that um, nurses, doctors, nurse practitioners that know this stuff that will go, I didn't know that. A lot of it has to deal with different statistics um, and different rates. Um, every five years, the guidelines for how to do CPR do change. So there are updates. Um, but every single class, I get people uh, that leave saying, I didn't know that. So as far as a uh, knowledge deficit, um, I think that that uh, is not a stranger to anyone. I think that there um, is knowledge or education to be gained from anyone. What I will say is that um, certain resources may not be available to everyone. I think that um, certain groups of people have the resources more readily available to them than other groups of people. And those groups of people specifically are what I'm seeing minority communities that um, just are not aware that the uh, education or the tools or the equipment materials is out there available to them. I think that really leans into the conversation that we had prior to this conversation, Tamisha, in terms of a lack of resources. And we point to minority communities and people really uh, can't begin to understand how a lack of resources in, in one bucket affects every other bucket as, mm -hmm. as it were, as it, as it pertains to life. And so this is a universal problem. I may not have a heart problem, but it is my problem. And that's something that, that I guess you're underscoring, everybody needs to be willing to take care of everybody because yes. if you don't, it is a matter of minutes. Yes, so heart disease, um, there's no stranger. Heart disease is the number one killer of all groups of people worldwide. Um, in the United States, it uh, takes the life of approximately 375,000 people a year. Um, so uh, it does not discriminate against uh, gender um, or race, uh, but the statistics, uh, the statistical rates for bystander CPR in minority communities um, is remarkably lower. Um, in minority communities, minority women are least likely to receive bystander CPR. Um, in general, um, less than 46% of people um, will receive CPR and minority women are at the very bottom of the totem pole. I just recently read an article in American Heart um, Association uh, journal article that said uh, 7,000 kids die yearly from uh, cardiac arrest and um, 
minority children, so Black children, are 41% less likely to receive bystander CPR. So to me, as a mother to um, Black daughters, that's alarming to me. That's, that's crazy to me. Um, these classes, uh, again, started because of my fiance, but again, as I do my research and I strive to make my classes something that everyone takes something from, um, and looking at these different statistics, while my classes are absolutely for everyone, you know, please come and take a CPR class. The heart of my classes and the heart of my goal, my mission, um, is to be able to train as many people in um, minor minority communities as possible. Um, because the odds or the chances of you being the one called to action to save your family member, your friend, your loved one right, in the minority community, yeah, is 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 high. It's likely. How long have you been at it with these classes? Um, so I started my business uh, in the heart of the pandemic, um, mid last year, mid twenty twenty. So I just uh, came upon my one year anniversary in August. One year. And, yeah, I've been full steam ahead, uh, just trying to reach as many people as possible. Tamisha, how's your heart doing? My heart is good. Thank you for asking. My heart is good. Um, I strongly suggest that everyone get regularly uh, regular checkups with the doctor. So, so um, your fiance as well. He's good. He's good now. Um, he made some lifestyle changes. He takes his medications. He does. Very good about seeing his doctors, his follow-ups with his cardiologist. Um, what I will say is that initially his heart attack scared him. And so he did he did everything right. He took all the proper steps to live a better, healthier life. Um, but as time goes on, and it's not just him, it's common, um, it's hard to 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 change habits. So uh he could do a little bit better with the food that he eats because food is a direct role on. Our what are y'all eating over there, Tamisha? So he likes his fried chicken. It's fried chicken, but he gets that out of the house because I don't fry food. So you said you keep frying food. I said I do not <laughs> fry food. <laughs> I don't fry food. He's got to get that food out, outside of the house because I don't I don't fry food. But other than that, He's doing well. He takes his medications. He follows up with his doctors uh, regularly. So he's doing okay. Let me find out. You're up here frying food. I you, do you not fry food up here at all. Chitlins. He's got to go somewhere else to get that. Y'all are having bacon for snacks and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> no, sir. Not, my not you, huh? You said uh -uh. don't be messy. Uh-uh. No, I want him to live a long life. Um, did he have a history? Did he have a family history? Um, um, so his mother, his mother did um, pass away very young um, of a stroke, which is also considered a cardiovascular disease. Um, so yeah, he does have a family, a family history. Um, but I don't know if it's rooted in the fact that he's a man or if it's rooted in just his upbringing his background and where he's from but um what was the reluctance for the hospital visit again i don't know if it's because he's a man or i don't know if it's just his upbringing his background how he was raised we don't go to the doctor yeah, um yeah. if nothing is broke you know why fit why try to fix it sure, um sure. he just he he uh wasn't very good with taking care of himself prior to 
So I gotcha. Cause I, you know, I, uh, I had lymphoma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and, mm. um, I've got this scar here where they did a biopsy and removed it. And, uh, this was, I was a freshman in college at the time and I was playing football, presumably healthy, um, you know, running all night and day with my exercises, with my, you know, responsibilities on the team. My mother insisted that I go to the doctor, thankfully. Um, was it growing? I, it was growing. It would protrude. It would, let's see if you, I don't know if you can see that scar. A little but bit, it, yeah. Yeah, it would protrude when I would turn to my right. She saw the scar and uh, I was in church. I would go home every weekend and go to church with her and get food. Uh, she'd do my laundry. Anyway, somebody would say, somebody said something to me. I had to turn to see what they were saying. She was sitting behind me. She saw this protruding. Said, what is that? I'm like, I don't know. I wasn't going to do anything about it. She thankfully made an appointment, dragged me to the doctor. They did a biopsy and the rest, as they say, is history. They followed that with chemo and radiation. I say all wow. that is, it turned me into a hypochondriac. I'd get a razor bump and I'm like, I, I got to go to the doctor. I got to go. Right. I gotta go. Um, but that really shocked me into action, I guess, at a young age, as a 19-year-old. Uh, it's been almost 20 but years. But you're proactive about your health. That's good. Now I am. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, it, but from an early age, so that's good. Because most 19-year-olds are not wearing And it took your mother to, to get you in to see a doctor. And I think it might have been um, a part of the culture uh, in terms of playing ball. You know, the coaches, if it's not broken, you're fine. And right. it was it was really looking back idiotic um, mm -hmm. because then you might be perpetuating uh, and you, you might exacerbate an injury because right. you're ignoring it. But they're telling you to perform through it. And then you're right. shamed as a guy if you're showing concern about your well-being. It was just right. something that wasn't meant for us. Um, and then um, eating habits. I mean, I was very active, so I thought it didn't really matter what I was eating. Um, mm -hmm. but as you, you know, get older, you realize your metabolism isn't the same. So right. I'm glad that your fiance has, has gotten more active and you guys are more vigilant about what you're eating. I'm saying all this because I'm hoping our listeners are really, you know, checking some of those boxes in terms of what they're ingesting when it comes to food and information. Mm -hmm. Um, and just some of the things that they can do that mm -hmm. don't have to be over the counter or prescribed. Yeah, so um, what you're saying is spot on. You know, uh, culturally, culturally, um, especially uh, in low socioeconomic, you know, communities, um, we don't go to the doctor. We don't go to the, we think that the bill is going to be too high, right? I don't want another bill or um, we feel like we don't have a voice. Mm. A lot of people need someone to advocate for them. They feel yeah. like they're... Um, their concerns will go unheard so why bother um and again as as and that as happens black, gaslighting the medical gaslighting yeah even now even now yeah. um so they feel like why bother um again in our communities black men are um sought to be strong right your leaders and um having an illness or complaining or thinking that something is wrong is shown as a sign of weakness so you, and we got to be strong out here, right? You just even when to, we don't want to be, you tend to ignore it, and then it, and then the problem persists. It doesn't go away because you're ignoring it. So it's, same as with my fiance, and I, you know, not to say I'm at fault, but um, I also ignored the signs until it couldn't be ignored anymore. And so, if um, 
we're a typical middle-class family, right? And I am a healthcare provider. Um, and we were in that boat. I know that there are people in other homes and other families and other communities in the same boat that ignore yeah. the signs, right? We act like nothing is wrong. We let the problem persist. Boy, do we ever. We treat it like the, that control center in the car. <laughs> that can, yeah. That control so, center in the car is staring us right in the face. And we're like, nope, don't no, see. Nothing's wrong. The engine light is on. Nope, it's okay. Maybe when I get in the car next time, it'll go off, right? We ignore mm -hmm. it until we can't ignore it anymore. So at the point of it truly becoming an emergency, um, as it stands right now in minority communities, um, the uh, EMS response time is a little bit longer. Um, so... And we're working with minutes here. We're working with minutes. We're working with 10 minutes. So I, I just strongly feel like if we in our in our communities have a history of 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 this, of um, nothing is wrong, it'll go away, right? And now we don't want to get help until we absolutely need help. But now when we absolutely need help, um, minutes and time matter. It doesn't um, go away. We go away. It's all the more reason why everyone around you should be able to act in an emergency. We should, I just watched a, a clip of um of uh, the new Sex in the City spinoff. I can't remember the name of it. It just premiered on um on on HBO, and um I hope there's nobody that's going to be upset with me because I don't want to give out any away any spoilers. But there was a scene in the first episode where CPR could be used. Yes, you okay. Could have been used and it wasn't. And I was reading through some of the reviews and the critics and well, why didn't you call 911 or why didn't you do this? Or but I thought about it afterwards because I looked through all of the um the, the the critic comments and I thought, but the reaction, how common is that? Right? Like what how that I feel like that's a that's an actual real life, realistic response to you walking in the room and your wife or your husband or your brother, your mother um, is slumped over on the floor in a panic, you panic, right? All sensibility, all um, rationing kind of goes out the window in that moment. And you are a trained professional. I want people to understand that. And you still have that moment. Um. Yeah, so at work, I'm good. At yeah. work? The code is coming. I'm I'm ready to go. You know, I got my game face on. I know exactly what to do. Um, but in that moment, I missed it. In that moment, the signs, I missed it. I wasn't there when he actually experienced the heart attack, but the things precipitating that led up to it, I missed it. I missed the mark altogether. Um, so how do how do people how do you how do people sign up for your classes? How frequently are you having them? So my classes are offered daily, um, and I am in Brandon. I do have a uh, an office, a brick and mortar setup, but I also teach classes um, mobile. So for um, individuals, companies, families who um, want to book me, I also offer mobile classes available through multiple different channels. Um, I do have a website, www.conciergehealthtrain.com. And you can also find all of my classes listed on the American Heart Association's website. And you're on Instagram um, too. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Yelp, Google. 
I'm all over the place. What do they need to look for on social media when they look you up? So all of my um, usernames are the same. My uh, I'm Concierge Health Train on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, and LinkedIn. And DM you for the rates and all that good stuff. Yep, it's available. It's also available on my website. Um, I offer a, a whole list of different classes um, to to cater and meet the needs of who's in the class. Um, I, uh, one of the classes that's kind of near and dear to my heart are the new parent CPR classes. Um, I tell people that <clears throat> you probably look like you're in my age, my age group, we're probably from the same, um, generation, but this new generation of parents, um, they're very proactive. Um, they're very, uh, we are a very reactive generation and, um this younger generation they're more reactive so I get a lot of new parents that sign up for the classes infant CPR classes they just genuinely want to know what to do in the case of emergency should something happen to their baby um and those classes are offered mobile as well what have you learned about yourself in the midst of these classes that you're teaching um I have learned how much um you know honestly I've learned how much of a nurse I am even outside of the hospital I say that to say um, the the call or the action to want to care for other people extends beyond bedside. Um, I genuinely care about the well-being of not just me, myself, and my family, but you and your family, the person next to me at Publix, them and their family, Walmart, them and their family. I want everyone to live longer, healthier, happier lives, safe lives. Um, and so I, I feel like a what I've learned is that I can be a nurse outside of the hospital. I'm, it, it doesn't, it doesn't stop when I clock out. She's got a good heart and she wants to make sure you do too. Tamisha Good, thank you so much for joining me on the Frank Conversation. And you all yeah. go ahead and check out Concierge Healthcare Training Services. She'll hook you up. You'll thank her for it. And so will your loved ones. Until next time, y'all have a good one.